0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have um, my dude, somebody I've been trying to land for probably three years, I want to say, uh, Dr. Ted Achacoso. believe I'm saying that correctly. I uh, first learned about Dr. Ted through a number of mutual friends at Paleo FX, uh, many of which had told me he's the smartest guy I will ever meet, possibly the smartest guy on the planet. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, sure. And I... Uh, After listening to him on a recent episode with Ben Greenfield, and of course, uh, he's been uh, a guest multiple times on that show, as well as my buddy Luke Story's Lifestylist podcast. I've heard him cover a lot of ground, but I I finally heard Ben Greenfield break this down with him. And so I had to ask on this podcast, he's one in a billion in his IQ. He was studied by intelligence agencies. I'll let you fill in the blank on that uh, at a young age. And literally one in a billion. At the time, there was four billion people on the planet. He's a little bit older than I am. But uh, of course, these are all estimations. But there was four of him. Four people like him on the planet. So they estimate there's eight. I think they found the fifth now. We don't really dive too much into it on this podcast, but that was where I was like, oh shit, I'm I'm, I'm actually going to communicate with somebody that's possibly on a different wavelength right now. The beautiful thing about Dr. Ted and one of the reasons I love him is he's so down to earth and he can explain things in a way that's very easy to grasp And we took this guy, I don't know if you guys have heard him on other podcasts or not. I'm going to link to the one that he did with Ben Greenfield most recently um, because I find it quite fascinating. If you're into methylene blue and biohacking, a lot of the things that I've talked about early on on this show, back when I was on it, uh, back when I was with on it, you're going to find a lot of the great uh, Q&A that you'd want to from that on Ben Greenfield's podcast. And you get to learn um, quite a bit about Dr. Ted in this one, as well as the other one. We had only, I think, an hour and 15 minutes to riff, and when I say this is a different kind of podcast or a different kind of type of conversation, I think I might have asked a single question, and Dr. Ted gave one of the most brilliant lectures, and and I'm not saying lecture like a, a parent lectures their child. I mean, lecture like a professor stands at the podium or gives a TED Talk, like... I don't say a fucking word in this podcast, and I'm just sitting there chomping at the bit for more. I can't wait to have him back on. I got my fingers crossed that I'm going to get to see him face-to-face uh, later this month. So please stay tuned. Hopefully, uh, we can make that happen, a face-to-face interview, because uh, as you'll find, Dr. Ted has so much information and so much wisdom and so many practical tips. It's not just airy-fairy. It's not just book work. It is real... It is potent, and it is pure medicine, and I absolutely love this guy, um, and I know you guys are going to as well. There's a number of ways you can support this podcast. Number one, leave us a five-star review. I know you think it's a pain in the ass. It takes you 30 freaking seconds with one or two ways this show has helped you out in life, and it really goes a long way in getting other people to tune in and listen. Also, check out our sponsors. They really do make this show possible, like this, this my ability to travel to guests, to, you know pay the mortgage, all that shit helps. Uh, Absolutely. Every time you buy something from one of uh, our amazing sponsors, I get a little piece of that. And that really helps us out in making this dream a reality. And then I get to keep learning from these fantastic guests and so do y'all. So support our sponsors. They really make the world a difference when it comes to helping this show stay afloat. We are brought to you by Lucy, one of my favorite all-time sponsors. Lucy is a gum that was developed by Caltech scientists who were former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative and researched and developed this for over three years. They created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that has three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with four megs of nicotine. And you're like, all right, if this is your first time listening to the show, why is this dude talking about nicotine? Nicotine is one of the greatest nootropics of all time. It is a master key that fits into... Every, every nootropic is trying to upregulate Acetylcholine and this master key fits into those acetylcholine receptors within our brain. It's almost like nature designed something perfectly for us to stimulate our brains on a short-term level. And that's what's beautiful about this. Uh, I think it was in Stealing Fire. Uh, No, it wasn't Stealing Fire. Rob Wolf was talking to the military about this. You know, guys go out on a mission or gals in the middle of the night and slam a Red Bull, and they get back an hour or two later. They can't fall asleep. Nicotine has about a 45-minute window to an hour, And it's going to bump you up. It also works on separate pathways other than nicotine. So it it will stack extremely well. It also stacks really well with uh, last week's sponsor, Somertis Purpose Plus. It's my favorite all around. I'm using it right now. It's phenomenal on flights, work, the go, even in the gym. And as I've mentioned in the past, nicotine is a phenomenal nootropic for workouts. But you got to have it at the right dose. This is the right dose. It's a great place for people to start. Highly recommend it. Check it out over at Lucy.co. Enter promo code KKP. And of course, the disclaimer, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. And as I've mentioned, it is one of my all-time favorite nootropics. So Lucy.co, promo code KKP at checkout. And you're going to get 20% off everything you order there. We are also brought to you by C60 Purple Power. C60 Purple Power is my new favorite health hacking tool. It is a carbon 60 super antioxidant that lifts the oxidative burden at the cellular level. It basically acts like a free radical sponge that helps you fight inflammation, boost immune function, increase energy, and mental clarity naturally. My friends at C60 Purple Power have told me that I might even recover faster from my workouts. Guess what? I am recovering faster from my workouts. And the way that I know that is I'm actually working out more than I have in probably two years. So more consistent, heavier weights and I'm recovering faster and faster. And this has been the only thing I've changed in my diet or my supplement regimen. It is absolutely phenomenal stuff. Most users notice an increase in energy and mental clarity after 30 days of daily use, a teaspoon a day is all that's required and added to your morning routine. I actually toss it in to my Four Sigmatic coffee when I'm blending it up and they have it in MCT. They have it in MCT, they have it in avocado oil, all these fantastic oils that you can consume your C60 Purple Power with. Head over to C60PurplePower.com and use code KKP for 15% off your very first order or click the link below in the show notes. That is uh, C60 P-U-R-P-L-E-P-O-W-E-R.com and code KKP at checkout. Also, we're brought to you by my boys at Bioptimizers. We got my man, Wade Lightheart coming on later this month. Wade has a phenomenal, phenomenal wealth of knowledge about, obviously, the supplements he's created here at Bioptimizers, but also plant medicines and many other cool shit that you know that I'm into. If you want to be healthier, one of the best things you can possibly do is get at least seven hours of quality sleep every single night. I know, I know. It's hard to get that much sleep. Your mind keeps you awake. You can't get comfortable. You wake up early and can't fall asleep again. There are hundreds of reasons why you can't get seven hours of quality sleep each night. But listen, it's super important because your body heals itself when you sleep. And if you're not getting enough quality sleep, you're increasing your risk of disease. You're even making it harder to lose weight. Rob Wolf talked about this in every one of his books he's ever written. I think he said, if you're not getting enough sleep, You're cock-blocking your fat loss. (laughs) Paraphrasing, but this is straight from Rob Wolf, the man, the myth, the legend. Would you like to know an easy way to get more quality sleep every night? Make sure you're getting enough magnesium. Believe it or not, around 75% of people don't have enough of it, which helps explain why so many people have sleep problems. But please do not run to the store to buy the first shitty magnesium supplement. You find most magnesium supplements use only two of the cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency or help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and you'll be amazed by how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.magbreakthrough.com kingsboo and use kingsboo10 during checkout to save 10% thats is com slash Kingsboo. Kingsboo tenant, check out for 10% off. And of course, we'll have that in the show notes as well. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Silent Mood. Silent Mode is a peak performance company aiming to help 100 million people reduce their resting heart rate by 5%, enabling happier, healthier lives. They believe the combination of music, science, and technology can create a new genre of mental fitness training, which can be practiced at home, at work, or when traveling. How do they do it? By providing access to guided mental fitness workouts delivered through a sensory deprivation device. Their toolkit custom builds a custom mental fitness workout program based on biometric feedback to help you breathe, sleep, and nap your way to a better life. This is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've been working with this for a while now, and I want to tell you guys, very few products have come my way in the digital sector or the technology sector that actually can impact my ability to turn my systems off, meaning how do I quiet my mind? How do I shut down internally and shut off to the outside world? And silent mode is one of a kind because it tackles it from every angle, from the physical with the actual device that they have to music actually in training the brain calming you and then walking you through different breathwork sections that actually can tune you up and get you cranked up before a podcast or slow you the f down before you get ready for a nap or a meditation or your sleep at night it is absolutely phenomenal they have guided breathwork sections Produced with neuromusicologists. That is neuromusicologists. These guys are studying the brain and different frequencies and hertz within music and sound to actually entrain the brain. They're doing some very cool stuff, and they have breathwork experts as long as well as a number of other experts on there. All right, y'all, for fifteen percent off the power mask and six months free breathonic subscription. You can go over to silentmode.com slash KKP, that is S I L E N T M O D E.com forward slash KKP, and use the promo code KKP21 upon checkout specifically for the Kyle Kingsbury podcast listeners. Silentmode.com slash KKP, promo code KKP21, and you're going to get a huge deal. And without further ado, my man, Dr. Ted Achacoso. Dr. Ted, thank you for joining the show, brother.
1: Thank you for having me, Kyle.
0: Yeah, we've been going back and forth for, I don't know, two or three years, it seems. I first heard about you from some of the members at the Paleo FX community, and I know you've been a uh, a guest on Luke's Stories podcast, the Lifestylist podcast, multiple times, and I've listened to you on Ben Greenfield's.
1: I revealed too much in there with uh, Luke. (laughs) <laughs> and now,
0: now I'm going to have to link to it in the show notes because there's too much revealing that's, that's the juicy stuff we got to give to the masses
1: yeah, things I was afraid beautiful. of revealing uh, came out there it, and I said look I think I said too much and I said no we'll do it again
0: That's a good thing though. It's a good thing to take the deep dive. I want to, I want to take the deep dive. My podcasts typically have a trajectory of background. Uh, you're a very, very unique individual and anybody that's heard you on other podcasts, I think one of the first things people bring up is your sheer brilliance. You know, people talk about the IQ, um, it always fascinates me to think of that. There are people like you on, that exist on the planet. You know, we can, we can kind of rationalize when we think back to an Einstein or somebody like that. But talk a bit about how, um, you know, you, you, when you first discovered that you had some gifts that most people don't and what that looked like.
1: Well, this is a scary part, um, Kyle, is that, you know, uh, it's done by probability, right? So on a good day, i 'm um, one in a billion, so I could under still understand people on a really bad day you 're one in eight billion, so you really you 're sixteen standard deviations away, and you really could not understand anyone so that 's a bad day for me but but uh, realizing this uh, actually uh, kept me very quiet. Um, because uh, most of my friends were accusing me of the I told you so syndrome. I saw what was going to happen way before it was going to happen because you could see what sort of trajectories uh, particular choices make, right? And, and so uh, the first thing that you do is to acquiesce to your friends' requests to please allow me to make my own mistakes, and that's lesson number one. So you stop. Uh, the other thing that uh, makes you do is it makes you able, it makes you step back and take a look at yourself, right? And uh, what do you have in here? Um, uh, and what's important, right? And you see that it's not the only the the fact that you can identify patterns and see what other people don't normally see um, on a longer time period, but uh, how can you? Uh, use that to uh, to better your relationships with other people. After all, life management is really about management of relationships, you know, relationship with yourself, relationship with, with your people near and dear to you, relationship with your job, your house, you know, your pet, um, your livelihood, and so on. So um, I have a, you know, Uh, having something, a point of view like this gives you more of a network-centric point of view of how, you know, you are connected with everything else. And even if you you realize that early on mathematically and then later on with the use of certain molecules, you realize it in the gut, right? You you get the feel of it in the gut. And that, uh, you know, I I keep on saying to my students that we are uh, yoked, to the sun, you know, we are yoked to the environment. We are not separate from it. We are, we, we, are, we move in it, etc., and we are open uh, to the environment. And uh, I think uh, what has happened to us uh, lately is really that we think of ourselves as uh, separate, right? And it doesn't, uh, it, you know, if I try to get back to the science. I tell to get back to the science and say, look, you know, the the, the carbon dioxide that you produce, the oxygen you breathe is coming in from outside. You know, the food that you eat is, you know, you're ener- maybe physically closed, but you're energetically open. The, the food that you eat, everything else is coming in from the outside. And it still doesn't, you know, it, because it doesn't feel that way, right? So... um so that, that's, the, uh, that's the kind of realizations you get. Uh, you know, when my mother uh, got mad at me uh, actually uh, several times for, she was teaching me how to tailor, you know, she said, if you really want something bespoke, you have to learn how to make your own patterns. And uh, she started uh, teaching me the same thing, lesson that she taught yesterday. Right? So I said, mom, you already taught me that yesterday. And she really got mad at me. She said, you know, uh, you know, you've always been this way. He said, y- you know, when you your classmates could see the letter C, you were already at the letter Z and you were forming words, and said, so I was just quiet about this. Uh, you know, and he said, and then she cursed me. It was a good curse. She said, May you be in a profession that requires patience. And true enough, I became a doctor with patience. I became an educator with students that you have to be patient with, right? Uh so so, and it's, it's, it's something that I think a, a lot of um, uh, people, uh, you know, if only they had enough patience uh, for, for a lot of things, especially when you're younger, you're very impatient, right? So I learned that lesson early. Uh, so be patient and shut your mouth are the two things that you, you realize. <laughs> because people, people, you know, you realize that people, things, events have to unfold. At their own time, right there is the beauty of the unfolding of things at their own time. You neither rush nor nor delay things. they will just unfold you know uh, uh, at their own time you 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 learn this stuff uh, uh you know early on, and I think that was um very uh useful for me uh, right um, uh, you know when i was you know I was a college graduate when I was eighteen years old. Kyle, I was a biology major. And then I was a doctor of medicine when I was 22 years old. At 25, I was holding faculty positions in pharmacology and toxicology, neurology, and interventional neuroradiology. At 28, I was holding a faculty position in medical informatics, and my research was on artificial intelligence and consciousness, right? Um, you know, at 30, I became a science and technology advisor to investment funds. 35, I was running my own company uh, and produced the first. Uh, uh, you know wireless groupware you know for telephones you know at forty, I said, "I am going to retire from humankind for a while, and I basically uh, retired for for five years uh, because I knew nothing about money, right How is money, how does it go around, etc and I basically traded currencies using artificial intelligence methods for five years, and then a friend of mine who started the whole uh, socially responsible investing movement uh, in the world. Uh, Came to my house and said, Ted, you know, we had all these huge monitors and stuff. So Ted, you're doing a zero sum game. So come back and give value to the world. So I, I went to Europe and actually got board certified there in uh, anti aging medicine and nutritional medicine. Um, and then, uh, from there, you know, um, uh, from there, I started a, a whole nonprofit. Uh, called Health Optimization Medicine and Practice, because I saw that, you know, we're basically locked into a disease model uh, of things, right? And everything is like, uh, you know, my frustration was, you know, these, there are young people who could afford, right? This is, I, My mother has hypertension, my dad has uh, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, and the illness medicine doctors would give them like two different preventive sets, right? So I said, well, is there a maintenance for for the body? And there is, right? And the maintenance, is, is called, this is why I called it health optimization medicine. It's because it's just the detection and correction of imbalances uh, in the body, right? Uh, so instead of diagnosis and treatment of disease, you detect and correct imbalances with the metabolites. And here's the interesting part um, on why I say that is that uh, when I was lecturing health optimization in San Francisco, a brilliant, psychiatrist, you know him, um, asked me the question. He said, so Dr. Ted, I like your model. It's very simple uh, of detection, correction, imbalances. And the technology now exists to be able to detect those molecules that can be imbalanced, right? And he said, how do you include um, spiritual health in your model? and i looked at him oh come on you've taken so many ayahuasca journeys you know that dmt is a spirit mo- molecule right so i said uh so i said spiritual imbalance is a, a dmt deficiency syndrome i said so <laughs> 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 so let them take dmt and experience what it is right um but uh in, in and, and I was only half kidding um, because I, I, when I was uh, doing my, my research on the mathematics of consciousness, I think I made a mistake. I mistook consciousness for the self, you know, the self uh, or what uh, we're commonly calling the ego. And I don't like to call it the ego, uh, really, because the ego has been defined as, you know, Really badly as one sense of inflated sense of self worth, and which is not exactly the definition that we want. So I call it a self-referential system, right? I was working on a worm, Kyle, and the 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 worm um, the worm had uh, this number of neurons, and I mapped out the the entire database of the connections. I called it a neural circuitry database. And then now I was called by one of the researchers. Oh, don't you know what you did? You you created the first connectome. Oh no, there's an ohm for it. Uh, It's it's perfect. (laughs) But um, uh, I was uh, basically disassembling the nervous system and saying, well, is there any... A network that gets left behind that says, now I feed, now I mate, now I move, you know, etc. And when I took out all of those uh, subnetworks, I found that there's, there's no one uh, system where the self-reference uh, to the organism exists. And so fast forward to, uh, I think, 03, uh, when uh, the default mode network in the brain was accidentally discovered, right? And um, they found out that when they were using fMRI, f- f- which is like an imaging system of the brain, and they were using BOLD, meaning that uh, these are oxygen studies, right? When your brain portion is active, then it consumes oxygen and you could detect the flow of blood in there. And they were thinking that when the brain is idle, uh, then the brain must uh, not be doing anything when it's quiet. But turns out that when the brain is idle, the default mode network uh, is actually um, uh, active, right? And uh, they basically showed that uh, it is the seat of the ego or the seat of the self referential system, right? And when uh, I actually um, enjoyed your interview with Luke, and uh, you know, uh, the ego is necessary in evolution, right? Because it's protective towards us. But what I would like to emphasize there is that it is an illusion, meaning. It is not what we think it is. Rather than a noun, it is actually a verb, right? So it's not a self, but rather selfing. You're selfing all the time as you interface with another person. I'm interfacing with you. I am selfing, right? Uh, and as I interface with with other things in my relationships, so, so that self comes out. Um, uh, because it's a, it, it it has a useful purpose, right? It's it just that it doesn't exist as a noun or an object. It It's a process that occurs all the time. In fact, James Fadiman just wrote a book, the, the dad of microdosing, right? Just wrote a book on multiple selves, that you're having all of these multiple selves or, all the time. And I was saying, well, maybe we have all multiple personalities orders, we just don't know it yet. But... <laughs> But, but that actually, um, the, the research actually, um, prompted me to take a look at the default mode network because right now the way we study the brain is by networks, right? Uh, before we used to say, oh, this structure does this, that structure does that. Now we have the, the tools and I'm big on tools, right? So what brings uh, science forward, right? Uh, is, is, uh, we can see now which network is connected to what. And what's interesting is that the central parts of the brain, right, the ones in the midline, uh, where the default, mo- most of the components of default mode network, uh, resides, you know, Is the one that's where we have our autobiographical rumination. So this is me, and uh, you know this is my story, and my name is Kyle. I was born here. You know this is what I believe in, etc., etc. So that that has the story in it, and it it refers to yourself. Opposite that is uh, the task positive network, and on the whole, it's opposite. Uh, the default mode network, right? When the default mode network is on, the task-passive net- network is off. And what it is, is it's ex- externally um, externally focused, right? For example, when I was doing surgery before, I like minimally invasive brain surgery, you would lose track of time, et cetera. You're externally focused, right? And that's a flow activity, right? Uh, there are many um uh, activities now uh, which are recommended that will induce flow the flow state etc and that's really the task positive network uh basically um uh decreasing the activity of your default mode network now the default mode net the, the task positive network since they're cross wired right actually um has two components uh it has uh, it's again this is at the at the side of the brain rather than at the center and there is what's called the salience network and salience means knowing what is relevant for your goal right and there is a central executive network the one that says i am the central executive i'm going to do this right so um so those that's the tax positive network and uh the suggestion uh uh, is that, and they're, they're, they're looking at this, is that the Salience Network actually is responsible for switching you back and forth, right? Switching you back and forth uh, from, your tax, from your central executive to your default mode network. So, um, so that, that uh, was very interesting to me because my research was on consciousness. And they were proposing that it's probably the, the flip-flopping of these two networks that's actually causing... Uh, consciousness, but of course, um, uh, the more interesting part of it would be, you know, uh, is the, the how. So uh, I said, if if the default mode network say, is hyperactive in people with depression, for example, or in people with uh, with uh, 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 um, uh, mood disorders or dysphoria, uh, and so on, so the default default mode network is hyperactive. Says, is there a way of actually? You know, decreasing it. And that actually led me to the psychedelics, uh, the, you know, uh, the classic psychedelics, for example, like uh, 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 ayahuasca, which is DMT and, and, uh, you know, psilocybin, um, which is psilocin, you know, um, and, you know, synthetic uh, LSD uh, would actually do this. And, you know, um, Robin Carhart-Harris in in London was the one who showed that when you are, say, uh, on uh, psilocybin, right, uh, it shows that your default mode network actually has decreased blood flow and your task positive network has increased blood flow. And those networks that don't normally communicate with each other, are able to communicate that's why you get creative right creative solutions uh during the time because the uh the ego or the self-referential system is like a conductor it cannot, possibly, it cannot possibly get all inputs from your senses. It's going to say, no, that's relevant. This is, you know, it's just going to say, yeah, these are the things that I consider relevant and this is what's going to come up to consciousness. And what I usually say to people is like, your consciousness is actually delayed by about either 350 milliseconds or seven seconds. You know, my computation in 1992 was about two pi seconds. So we are actually living in a delayed consciousness world, right? So- um and if you look at the brain as a prediction organ say if you're catching something right uh like a ball or something you, the brain is actually continually ad- adjusting and adjusting to that uh that delay that's it, right uh, and it it's as if everything is going on seamlessly but when you look at it under the uh, under the seams you see that um Uh, there is uh, that particular delay. And so that kept me wondering, I said, so what's underneath that delay, right? So what's going on, uh, you know, before it's presented to you into consciousness? And, uh, and, And that made me actually delve deeper into what consciousness is about. So I said, well, we're looking at two different things here, right? So on the one part, we're looking at what I call medical consciousness or physiologic consciousness. And I think there's a reason why we have so many uh, disagreements of what it is is because we don't have any really good definition of what it is. So what I did is I separated what we use in medicine or what we use in normal language as either physiologic consciousness or medical consciousness. And essentially, it's very simple. There's three components. When you ask a medical student, is a patient conscious, you know, the, the medical students will say, uh, sir, he's uh, awake, alert, and oriented. So awake uh, means it's, it's internal, right? When you wake up in the morning and you're not waking up by any sound, you just wake up spontaneously, that's your body feeling internally. So it's what's called interoceptive right? So that's that's interoceptive consciousness. So that's that's uh, awakeness. And then alert, meaning you are responding to light, sound, you're looking around, right? If you're in the hospital you're looking around, so you're alert, right? And then oriented, you know, say I ask you, uh, do you know where you are? Uh, do you know your name? You know what day it is? What happened? So just oriented. And that already uses symbolic language, and that's what's called abstractive. Right, uh, consciousness, and this is what I call physiologic consciousness, and, and this is useful. Um, I on on the basis of uh, like formulate formulating like a Glasgow comma scale, right? So when you see you know the comma scales that are being developed for patients, so I put that aside, right? And then taking a look now at consciousness for what it is is a diff- for me it's a different discussion altogether. Although the patterns uh, may be the same, right? So when you look at consciousness, um, you look at two. Th- uh, you look at two things. Uh, either it's emergent or it's emerging from the computations of the brain or emerging from the computations of something. And there is uh, uh, there are two competing theories right now that are being tested. Right, and they are. It's called an adversarial competition. But they had a, they have a ten million dollar grant, meaning they agree to the same methods, but they will try to disprove each other. Right. And mm. so the the, f- the first one is that, well, it's a, it's an emergent uh, property of a brain that's computing, right? Uh, so it's the first one is called what's called global workspace theory, meaning, you know, when the, when the inputs come into the brain, uh, you know, the brain has to apportion it to the processors, right? And the moment it sends it out for processing, you feel consciousness, right? And that's, that's the assertion of that. The other one is actually, um, more interesting uh, for me uh, because of uh, my experiences with uh, psychedelic experiences, right? The other one is that it's an inherent property uh, rather than emergent property. It's an inherent property of the universe. So, and um, in the brain, the the model is called uh, integrated information theory, meaning that there are subnetworks which... If they combine to each other and feedback on each other, they produce something called consciousness. So it means that you know, uh, depending on how much information is being exchanged in the networks, you know, even a, say a thermostat would have its sort of kind of consciousness, right? And so our sub-atom- subatomic particles proto-conscious, and you begin to look at it that way, and that's why for me it's inherently more interesting. However, this kyle there's something that's um uh, actually missing from the discussion which i uh, actually am putting in the equation do you have to be alive to be conscious right and so we need to have a definition of life and you know the chilean scientists maturana and varela already took a crack at this a, a, a long time ago and you know um i uh, i'm i'm monitoring the works of of uh these guys who are probably pre-nobel in status right and uh essentially they you know if you take a look at the, the models and and say you know, what constitutes uh being alive right so there are many many uh many ways of uh of looking at it uh, and and so you know, this, so does consciousness arise only when you're alive or is it there already, you know, even in uh, all of these inanimate objects? So, um, and, I, and I think those are the points. So, you know, I'm not taking any sides here or anything like that. I just find things more interesting because in the end, Kyle, you, we have to be um, able to rest in everything that changes, right? Uh, we take our, we, we basically sit and be comfortable in everything that's changing. Uh, because it's the only thing that's going to be constant is how this, uh, how this changes. Um, but what's, what's important here is taking a look at it from, you know, the way I teach, for example, uh, in the, in the history of medicine, right? So in, in the history of medicine, you take a look, say of uh, disease causation, how is disease caused, right? And in, in, in the olden times, you, you know, it was a magical form of perspective right and i remember um being uh, growing up in the mountains in the philippines and uh, one of the uh, one of the farmhands got a uh, urinary tract infection and the um the the village healer who was a female right uh said oh you know you peed at a mound in the forest and that had uh, the dwarves in it and they offended them and so the solution to that, uh, the, the treatment is actually to go and ha- make a food offering to those elves that you, or dwarves that you, you actually offended, right? And so, uh, and that's, and it's still done in some parts of the world, you know, uh, they, they do that. And um, because they do, they do believe in, in, uh, magical things, right? And, and then when you look at, um, uh, and when we came to, to the religious phase, right? And the religious phase said, well, okay, you're having a, a seizure when the seizure is actually, oh, you're having demons inside your body. And so and so we are going to put uh, a trephination you know, we're going to bore a hole in your skull, we're uh, going to uh, trepan you in order to let the evil spirits escape, right? Or the demons escape. Um, so you could see that the mode of treatment is that way, right? And then you move to the empirical point of view, uh, where where you say, oh, okay, oh, the person's having hyperactive foci of electricity in the brain that's causing the seizures. And you know what? You know, pure CBD, that uh, actually quiets down that. And, you know, now you have these molecules from uh, cannabis or hemp. That actually is able to quiet down uh, the seizures, especially those with born with, for example, the Lennox-Gastaut syndrome or DeVay syndrome with uncontrollable seizures, right? Uh, and, and then you go now to the rational uh, uh, mode, which, you know, um, we are very, very poor at doing. Right, we don't think statistically, and rational thinking is statistical thinking. Um, so when 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 we do this, it's like okay, now come the seatbelt loss, right? When it's like you have to put on your seatbelt because chances are when you get into an accident, this is a you know, this is the what's going to happen to you. Well, <clears throat> you know that is rational thinking, and that's that's why I've been pushing, right? For example, the teaching of statistics and probability earlier, like you know, late grade school or high school, right? Because this is a mode of thinking or a mode of viewing the world. I'm not saying that any one of them is wrong, right? For me, I look at them as all like facets of a jewel right? So if you look at, you know, you stick your head on the empirical mode and you're a scientist and that's how you view the world, you pull your head out, right? And then you stick yourself in the uh, religious mode and you see all of these concepts about reincarnation and everything else and you pull yourself out, right? And, and you know, you look at all these uh, magical practices, et cetera, you know, and and pull yourself out. And they are, for me, they are all valid points of view of the world, right? uh, Points of view of the world. The important thing is that, does your point of view make you suffer? So, so <laughs> right? does the point of view make you suffer? Because if it does, then change your point of view, right? As, as a mentor to, to students, I tell them, you know, that, uh, really the only gift that a mentor can give to you is perspective, right? A point of view. And the rest you can Google yourself right <laughs> because you can see all the the actual information out there so um and and uh, when you when you 're looking at it that way uh, and i'm approaching you know uh the as a whole uh uh view of uh, for example psychedelics etc from the point of view of from an empirical rational point of view right and and then i'm from doing that you go back and you go then you go to the religious part of it and go to the magical parts of it which makes it more exciting right so and, and because that's the track that i took you know i wish i were like some people who took ayahuasca when i was 13 i probably didn't have to go through this difficult a journey to do so right um but uh, no, I had to come back that other way around because <laughs> what, I, you know, what really convinced me, Kyle, and I think what convinces, you know, other scientists right now is, uh, especially when I, when I do my lectures, is that why do we have receptors for this, right? Why do this, why do we have receptors, for example, for the endocannabinoid system? Why do we have an endocannabinoid system? What's the adaptive value, right? Why do we have an opiate system, you know, and you know, uh, so why do we have uh, uh, you know five H two A receptors that bind not only serotonin but uh, this this other psychedelics? So it basically provides a bridge or an entree, right? An entree to the whole uh, oh, the whole exploration. And you know, you you probably have in, I don't know whether you have interviewed Stan Grof, but you know he's the one who said that uh, you know psychedelics are to the mind as the telescope is astronomy and the microscope is to biology so uh and that's that's a very uh useful way to to look at it so and um i, I know you guys are are all big and buff etc., cetera, et cetera so one of the things that I say <laughs> <laughs> one of the things like like i'm I'm a wispy one hundred forty pound guy right and um the uh but I tell them that. You know, when you go to the gym, you do a certain set of exercises. You know, if you really want to get big fast, and I know how to do this because I've done this for a few clients, right? You go on short bursts of anabolic steroids, right? Vroom, right? And then you go, get it, right? And then you maintain it. Um, you know, if, if you know how to use it, then, then you're fine, right? Um, psychedelics are that way. So you go to your mental gym, and I don't know why people ignore their mental gym, right? Uh, you go to your mental gym, you meditate. Right, and then you go take your uh, your uh, psychedelics as your mental gym steroids. Right, you take. You know, I heard you took a thirty gram dose. That's insane, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was
0: granted permission by one of the legends, Kalindi Well Please, please continue, brother.
1: It's a, <laughs> like it's like wow that's really fear extinction right there uh <laughs> <laughs> so so um and, and you know um and, and the key there uh, uh as i said carl if you're going to take this uh, for me is you know just it, for me the useful thing is to get blasted off yourself right blasted off the self-referential system so at least you know what it feels to be out of a self right uh to be out of that Constant voice, constant chatter that goes on and on. If you take uh, a dose lower than what will blast you into space, man, your brain because you're going to see your fucked upness and going have to work through it and going to have to go through the fucking integration and so on. It has to be done, right? Um, uh, and as as uh, people in 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 uh, you know who are between these worlds, uh, you know, say uh, is that either you do that with you know. Uh, psychedelics that are below the threshold for blasting into space, or you know, you go seek psychotherapy, right? So, or, or you you integrate both. That's hard work, right? That's a very hard work. Um, and you know, um, um, uh, I remember doing um, the the inner child work when I was forty, right? Um, that's very difficult work, man. Uh, you know, when you get into, I was a depressive, you know, for the longest time because I didn't see, you know. Kyle, when I was 16, I was already a junior in college. Right, <laughs> I, I was 16 and junior and junior <laughs> in college, grad, graduating uh, with uh, top honors and and all of that. And I I found everything easy. Life was boring. Right, so I had this existential crisis. What's the purpose of my life? It's like, what's the what's the point? And I found my reset button. Right, and and I said, Whoop, okay. Uh, um, but but. Um, it, you know, uh, I remember, uh, having to go around the campus at night and, uh, I sat down by, by the lagoon and it was, you know, uh, there was a typhoon and there was this beautiful, um, uh, hibiscus plant right beside me. And I just looked at it, you know, and here I was bandaged in my, my wrist and, 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 you know, and, uh, I was looking at this beautiful hibiscus and I said, look at this, you know, it's, being pelted by the rain and yet it's just there beautiful it's just standing out there it's like here look at me it's you know and at that point I said you know what I really don't care about all of this fucking stuff right I am going to live life the way I see fit and that was my first insights into letting go of what the ego is expecting a view because of the stories that it has heard from, you know, teachers, parents, you know, uh, uh, religious leaders and all of that. It's just all of these expectations for you. And then you let go and you feel a little bit freer, but somehow, you know, when you're in that environment, you still feel very restricted, right? You still, uh, uh feel very constricted and you're still expected to follow some path. And, um, my, my thinking before I did that is like, okay, you know, I'm going to, you know, graduate college. I'm going to be a, a, a doctor and then I'm going to be earning this stuff and I'm going to have a wife and kids and, and all of this stuff. And I said, uh, that's all been done before. I said, boring. So I had to find my reset. <laughs> I find my reset switch uh, until I, I realized, uh, you know, uh, I've been meditating uh, heavily since, uh, uh, high school, and I was a concentrative meditator, uh, you know um, uh, uh, breath and mantras and uh, and so on. Um, it was not until uh, actually when I uh, did uh, uh, contemplative meditation where I saw the importance of actually see seeing the self arise from your consciousness, right? As you're, my, 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 uh, the way I, I, I teach this to my students is, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you, there's nothing else, right? You're not, you're not looking at your schedule yet. So you're just waking up slowly and gently the way you should, right? There is this, you're just looking at all of this light and shadow and, and sound and so on before the ego just snaps in and says, oh, you fuck, you're late for work, Right And you have to do one, two, three, four, five, and I said, "Is it possible you know to basically stay in that state you know while observing what the ego is doing or what your self referential system is doing, right It will do what it does, right, but can I at least sense when it's coming on right so instead of being reactive to things, I can be responsive to things right?" And I explained reactivity is that, yeah, you're programmed to do these things, right? And responsive, uh, responsivity or responsiveness is counting one, two, three. Should I open my mouth before I say this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, I, um, uh, uh, I have a dear friend who was giving a speech in uh, the Davos Economics uh, Summit and, um, You know, he coded me on his first line because when he woke up in the morning, he would look at, uh, at the mar, what the markets was doing, right? And the the markets were tanking and said, holy shit, blah, 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 blah. And he was so mad. And for the whole day, he would be like mad at everyone else, right? And I said, why don't you stop doing that? I said, before you start blaming other people for the way you feel, I said, why don't you ask yourself, you know, am I, am I hungry? Did I poop yet? You know, all the things that would make you, um, I, uh, you know, I need to pee, uh, you know, all of the things that pertain to maintaining your avatar, you're maintaining your, the organic robot needs its own maintenance, right? And when you don't give it, you know, it will give you all of these signs that you have to take care of it. So, um, that was, uh, th- that's actually, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, he said, you know, I, I I I quoted you in this, but it, it's actually a, a, for me, it's like these are the simple things that we miss, right? by not paying attention to the current moment, because in the end, uh, uh, what I realized was doing is like, how do I decrease suffering in myself, right? And in and and in so doing, decrease suffering in others, knowing that there is no other, right? So you and I are basically the same, right? So. When I looked at that, and so that really took me deeply into Buddhism, right? And, uh, and I was lucky enough, uh, to be, um, uh, when, when I was here in DC, I was lucky enough, right, to, to be taught actually Buddhism before it was, you know, the uh, pre-Buddhist religion, right? Uh, Bonn. Right, a bond is a is in its pre-Buddhist state is another religion unto itself, right? And it's where the practice of dogchen or the Great Perfection comes from. And um, the uh, you know I, I regard Buddhism as this big predatory shark, right? And it's big and it's gonna prey on all of these smaller. Uh, religions with a shamanistic, um, you know, um, uh, legacies and, and so on and so forth. So at the time, you know, that the uh, Dalai Lama actually protected the bond, there were only about 2,000 uh, genuine practitioners of bond, right? But what was nice about Buddhism, what they did is they did classify what, what the bond people did. Of course, uh, there's, the uh, uh, you know, the, uh, nine ways of bond and you probably, people have probably heard that, or they can just Google the nine ways of bond. And you could see that the first, uh, four uh, of those all have to do with magic, right? They all have to do with things like soul retrieval, um, you know, energy work, magic, et etc et cetera. And then the, um, uh, the five and six will be five will be if you are actually a married person uh who is going to get into the bond tradition uh six is for actually people who would like to get into the priesthood of Bon, uh and and you know wouldn't it, wouldn't it be uh uh you know raising children and so on and then seven eight and nine is uh as a classic you know it's uh um uh, uh sutra tantra and dog chan so seven is uh, you know uh the various sutras and the various teachings right and the way i summarize this is really very simple um, uh kyle is that um sutra is you know uh like rejecting the poison so you you see all of these practices that you know um uh, they basically become very austere in their living. They push away all of these worldly things, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, that's that's basically uh, shunning the poison, right? Uh, and um, uh, uh, Tantra is basically using the poison as medicine. So basically you incorporate uh, these little bits of this poison in your life, right? Uh, 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 in, in order for you to be able to get to observe the self from arising. And I, you know, the whole point of this is like, what's the whole point of this? And, um, you know, it's, it, when you get to Zhong Chen, which is a great perfection, that is basically ingesting the whole poison, you know, to liberate you or to free you. And I didn't understand what that, that meant until, uh, actually I had a, a, a clear understanding, at least in scientific uh, terms, of what that is, right? That's the self or the ego, um, essentially, that's both uh, doing the clinging and aversion to things. Right? It's it either wants something, pushes something away all the time. Right? It's that's all it does every time. Uh, every time, and when you get to a certain stage of meditation, you could even see your desire for a cup of tea arise, or your desire for a cup of coffee arise. Not just like stand up and get coffee, but you could see the desire actually come up, and you can actually say, "Can I act on this?" Right? And so the the famous uh, Zongchen, um uh, uh, meditation, of course, is the, uh, you know, sky, the open sky meditation, right? And there are, the the, the sky has lots of clouds and this, these are your thoughts and emotions and everything else that surrounds you, what you see, what you hear, and so on. And the clouds are always changing, right? But it's still always a perfect sky, right? Uh, so when you, when you begin to accept that all of that, the entire poison, right, is actually the your liberation, you know, it, 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 it becomes very freeing because you, you don't cling to, to any thought or feeling, et cetera. They're, they're just arising and they're just, you know, they, they, they move away, right. And, and they move away and the next uh, thing goes and, you know, um, uh, as I say, you know, the the fight that you had with your partner last night and you're still ruminating today, I should have said fucking this instead of that, you know, that's already gone. I mean, that's just in your memory. That's how you're wired. This is the wiring of of uh, of the avatar, right? So we're just coming up there and what's, what's bad about it is that it has the, the self or the uh, self-referential system or the ego has a way of grabbing this. And, the way I uh, teach this is that, you know, you have a thought, right? So uh, imagine you just have a, a, a memory and they're usually stored with some sort of emotion. So say, let's just agree that there are eight basic types of emotion, you know, for, for argument's sake. Those are just the flavors that are available to you at any one time, right? I teach that emotion is simply energy, right? And the, all the anger, fear, etc. cetera, et cetera all, all of those are the flavor of the ice cream, right? So wh- whatever it is, there's energy underneath, and it's how you use that emotion, right? Uh, it's how you use emotion. Unfortunately, you know your memory when you grab it, right? Uh, say, uh, uh, e- 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 say the memory of your argument, right? It will get different flavors and mix them up for that particular memory, and one of the and, and that's the reason why um, it basically overtakes your sense of awareness right you you basically your whole ego or your sense of self takes over like there's no space around your sense of self and I like the way Sam Harris actually says this is like it's this really simple you have a dear friend and you run to him and he says I don't believe that you fucking did that to me and you go what? What did I do? At that particular moment, you are actually consumed by the ego, right? Because there is no sense of that arising. Before you said what, you know, uh, there is that moment when you could feel that arise and say, okay, this is another person who is running his own programs and his own memories, etc., etc. And then this is what he is perceiving it to be. Right? And you could Right at the moment that you actually uh, uh, realize that, that right, that's when you can change your response, and therefore you could have a more harmonious relationship. Or if you really hate this person, you know, totally uh, shut him off. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that, that depends on what lesson he has to learn for the day, right, uh, or for the year, or whatever. Um, I, I, I I do agree with you. You know, I I I've heard uh, most of Ramdas's uh, uh, podcasts and. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, there's a joke between me and him that I'll just tell. I cannot tell on air. But um, the, um, the 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 thing that that the, he says is actually uh, uh, very interesting. He said, uh, "You know, you have a curriculum, right? You're given a curriculum, and this is the curriculum that you you have to make. You're you're you're, you're thinking that you're deciding all of this, but actually, this has already been pre decided. That's actually um, a very um, interesting way to think about it." Right. But, um, but for me, Kyle, these are all stories, right? There are magical stories, religious stories, you know, uh, empirical stories, rational stories, evolutionary stories. Um, I, I tend to view the lens as a scientist from an evolutionary lens, right? How did these things all develop? Um, but, you know, the the interesting part of uh, all, all of these lenses is that, you know, if, if you are g- going to be looking at these different facets. Make sure that you're able to pull your head out from them and see that there are other uh, points of view, right? It's, uh, I, I remember when I wrote my book on the connectome, there was a poem in there on uh, the blind man and the he- elephant, right? A Hindu fable. You've heard that one, right? One, yeah. one blind man's. It touch the trunk and it's very much like a rope, you know, uh, one, uh, you know, touch the, uh, the, the, leg and this is very much a tree, you know, uh, and, uh, touch the side and very much like a wall. And our, our, uh, perspectives are very much like that. Right. And what psychedelics can do is they blast you out to see the whole elephant or the whole jewel that you're, you're, um, uh, uh basically, um, uh, looking at or putting yourself in. However, for me, the more important thing is these are nice concepts, right? These are nice stories that we tell ourselves and so on. But what is most important, I feel, uh, for me at least, is the cessation of suffering, right? How do we not suffer? And that's done moment by moment. It's not done in long time spans, right? It's done right now. by Each moment that, that you, are, uh, you are aware you know it's it's born anew it's always new every time right and that's how you know it's it's been said that you know the the uh, brain rev- never really you know stops from planning the future and uh, and uh, remembering the past, right? Uh, because that's how we were able to survive as a species, right? You remember that, that that tiger is gonna eat you, and therefore you're gonna plan around your hunt, right? And uh, and so on. So that's that has an adaptive value to us for survival. But what what it is is really maladaptive for our p- peace of mind or for our happiness. And I define happiness very simply. I mean you know, um, for people, for example, say, Dr. Ted, I want to be happy. I said, how do you define happiness, right? And and, uh, for me, it's really very simple. Uh, It's uh, uh, essentially a sense of your uh, dynamic uh, equanimity, right? And by that, I mean, you know, there are people um, uh, who are addicted to emotion, right? They like tidal waves of joy, they like deep whirlpools of sorrow, and they they do that. i i'm not like that for me it's like i'm i'm okay with gentle waves right i'm okay with gentle waves of of uh, of things and you know if if you if you like you know floating at the at the uh, rough side of the river, that's fine with me. You know, I'll float by the quiet side of the river. It's just uh, uh, each to his own um, way of uh, having to navigate this or, you know, where you're actually pushed to go. It's like, oh no, you're not going to be here in this, in this little quiet segment of the river. There you go. You know, you need to navigate those rough waters. And that's, that's how I, I um, uh, think about these things. It's, it's, more like, um, how do you not suffer moment by moment, right? And you realize that the suffering is actually... Uh, so and that actually is very much tied in with the neuroscience of enlightenment or what enlightenment is all about. I mean, you were talking about consciousness, the self, right? And I have a very simple definition, really, of enlightenment. And enlightenment is a freedom from the illusion of the self, right? I'm not saying it's freedom from the self because the self... That's adaptive value, right? It is there. But freedom from the illusion of self, and it all comes with the definition of illusion, right? Um, e- illusion uh, essentially is, it's not what it seems to be. And the way I say it, like, it's not a noun, it's a verb. You're selfing all the time. So the self is not what it seems to be. And if you look at it, like for example, if you have circular lights, right? And you don't know they're circular. And so they just flash out one by one right and but when they flash out in sequence right and it's you see the circle out there and that circle uh is actually you know the illusion of your um of your uh, self right that's the conductor that's conducting everything that's the one that's gonna say what the fuck did i do to you um you know but when you are actually uh consciousness or pure awareness right you're you're basically have a meta awareness that yourself is rising you the meditation what it does is actually slows down those those signals right so you could see them coming up really independently so you could you know uh basically hear the sounds uh uh, you could hear the, uh, you could see uh, the sights. You could see, you could basically see your thoughts and hear your inner thoughts. They all arise within the same space of consciousness, what I call your meta awareness. If you don't like to call it consciousness, you call it your meta awareness because your self, right? Uh, yourself or your ego has what's called self awareness, right? And the way you can induce this is in someone is really very simple. You look at someone, you know, stare at someone longer than is socially acceptable. Right, and the person will suddenly become self-conscious. Right, that, my guys, that's the ego. Right, that's a self-awareness. Like holy fuck, you know. And then you start thinking, what do I have? Something stuck between my teeth, you know? Um, you know, are you know? It's is is you know whatever it is that you're 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 not happy about yourself. Um, uh, it starts coming up, and all the stories come up, and that that is the self-awareness, and you could see the coming up of the ego or the self in that way. So. And you know, uh, for me, consciousness or the sphere of awareness has is what I call the meta awareness. It's the one that's that that is that you cultivate, right? With meditation, it's the way you cultivate with various practices, right? Um, various magical practices, regional practices, etc. This is the one that you cultivate. That kind of awareness, and for me, you know, seeing it arise, you know, and non-judgmentally seeing it arise, right, and seeing what it does, you know is essentially, uh, you're basically freed of the suffering because, y- you know, um, uh, who was it that said that uh, that, uh, that, who, that who's observing the pain isn't in pain, right? And so that who's mm. observing the sadness isn't in sadness. So you could see all of these things. And it's easy to remember this stuff, Kyle. Uh, for example, <clears throat> You got infectious mononucleosis, right? And instead of like, okay, this is infectious mononucleosis has to be treated, et cetera, et cetera. It's like you go, you go and attach a story to it that makes you suffer. Why the fuck did I kiss her? <laughs> you know, it's a blah, 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 <laughs> I knew she was sick, blah, blah. And so that's the suffering, right? That's the story will cause you the suffering instead of just letting that go and uh, focusing on it. That's just one signal, right? Okay, you you got this. and- this is what you need to do, right? Rather than inventing all of these stories behind it, right? Uh, and for me, you know, I, I, I tend to teach this in like uh, really very simple terms uh, that you encounter in daily life, right? Uh, from the time that you wake up to the time that you relate to your family, uh, time that you relate to, to your job, to other people. Uh, and the, the, you know, the, the big thing is how you relate to the earth, uh, the environment, uh, to the universe around you. Right. Uh, for example, you know, how do you respond to, OK, we have to catch an asteroid so we can mine it. And it is a, a basically a multi-trillion dollar industry. It's like, what mindset do you think that is? Right. And, 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 and so you start thinking about, well, you know, if uh, if survival and reproduction is all that we do. And then we overrun the Earth, right, and so we run off to Mars, we colonize it, we survive and reproduce, right, and then we overrun that again and go to another planet it 's like, what the fuck are we doing I like so where do we want to bring our species right where Where do we want to bring ourselves and th- that's that 's for me a very bothersome thought that if we you know remain um uh, Unawake, right? And, and waking up can be many stages. So it, yeah, everyone has experiences of waking up. They say, well, it's difficult. No, you have that experience every time. You know, when you, for example, watch a beautiful sunset and you're in awe, awe is that experience of not having a self. You basically have an awareness that's larger than you, right? Um, the, another way of doing it is like you're trudging up a hill, you know, you're do, doing a hike uh, up a mountain, and then when you reach the summit of the mountain, there's that moment when you actually accomplish your goal, and you're looking around, and there's nothing there in your head, right, except just fully enjoying the view, and then you can there you could see the ego come back in, it's like next time I'm gonna climb the higher mountain, so I have a better view. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could see the ego come and set in, but. The key part of it is really just one word, is a recognition, right? A recognition of when it arises. So when you have little bits of this recognition in a day, you have, you know, micro enlightenments going on every time. And then what you do is you basically try to lengthen them and lengthen them and lengthen them, right? And and and, and until it's only the Dzogchen practice, Kyle, that requires for enlightenment to be stable, right? So... Uh, only it's, it's the only practice that requires enlightenment to disable. Other practices don't, right. um, and um, uh, a, a, and that's uh, one of the differences of Doug Chen for example. Um, as that's why uh, uh, people have a hard time uh, actually with it because it's a it's a different, it's more of a contemplative path altogether, and it's actually uh, done not by concentration, right? You know you, you know those focus types of meditation, et etc. those are concentrative types of meditation It's done by a pointing out instruction by a master on the true nature you know on the true nature of the mind or the true nature of the self right it's done by by various pointing out instructions in in a very traditional way but in a very very pointed way that that provokes insight It's like you know you can do koans for you know uh for uh, as uh, as as this because there's there's no answer right then that your your thinking mind disengages from the whole thing but this is something more like a continuous thing and zen has his own quirks like they have this testing method and so on and so forth what i've been trying to do uh Kyle and uh, i know your 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 uh listeners actually uh, would uh, respond to this is that uh, i what i've been trying to do is are we able, you know, is is there a way that we can point out these instructions, such as, such that as you have a continuous recognition of the self as it arises, right? Um, which is enlightenment, right? Um, is there is is there something that you can do that will do that for you, right? Uh, uh, in in terms of uh, so so you can you know you can do that. Um, uh, you know one that i'm looking at uh, essentially is can we take a look at uh, a class of molecules right that has the right balance between your task positive network and your default mode network you know and basically give you at least 8 hours of not screaming at your dog or your wife or or anyone else or being in views of someone's uh, um you know uh uh, race or something like that or or uh regretting something right uh you you can just see those arises is, is there you know is there something that we can do that way um the other thing is that well you know there are uh like uh, others are devising like uh machines right uh that can um quiet down particular centers of the brain and activate certain centers of the brain you know uh be they magnetic simulation um i was just uh, reading up uh uh, on a book uh, where they were able to induce psychopathic behavior with transcranial magnetic stimulation, but that's another story. It's actually quite scary and funny. <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> we, can we can we can we can we have these these machines, right? And. If you look at it now, um, uh, you know, this is, you know, looking at it first from a scientific point of view and then going back to the perspectives that are available to you. And I said, none of them uh, is wrong. It's just that we, you know, uh, there was someone who said that uh, humans are really one of the worst uh, species on earth. Um, and I call them, it's the most pernicious species on earth, right? Because um, we're the only ones who are willing to die for our own beliefs. And... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, we pillage, plunder nations, we go invade other countries, et cetera, because we believe in our might and our right to do that. Um, or or uh, uh, we believe that, uh, you know, um, uh, we have to make more profits and grow our companies, so we're going to pollute plastics in, in the oceans and we're going to use child labor and we're going to do sex slavery and all that stuff. You know, that's, <laughs> that said... That's, that's the kind of thing that you get to examine, right? When you're listening, so like, what do you really believe in? And um, for me, beliefs are, if, if you have programmers in your, uh, among your listeners, they will know this. For me, beliefs are just like global variables when you create uh, a program, right? When you set something to true, then uh, 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 basically uh, a set of uh, routines, subroutines uh, actually go to action. So you can think of it like, if Jesus Christ is true, then do the following. You know, if Buddha is true, then do the following. So, but the thing is, you could actually, uh, you know, set that to false, one, or you could set that to, or my favorite is that if you don't know what to set it to and you want to quiet it down, say, um, uh, this, one of the sayings that my mother used to tell me is, the early bird catches the worm for promptness, right? So I basically put a semicolon in the saying by putting in the early bird catches the early worm. So, <laughs> you know, you, you could see immediately how you can get rid of these uh, kinds of things that are programmed inside you. And that this, this you know, Socrates said, that unex, unexamined life is not worth living. It does allow you right to, to examine uh, what's, what's, uh, uh, what's in there, right? And then to see whether or not you will react or respond. Right. Um, two things. So that's that's, uh, you know, the, the way I, I see the melding of this is can I have um, what I'm doing now is can I now do a neuroscientific pointing out instruction to you guys? No, Now knowing that you have a DMN, no, knowing that you have a meta awareness, you know, can I point out to you that the self is illusory and it's a process? It's a selfing process every time. Is there a way to actually poke different parts of that in in the empirical or, or the scientific sense, right? Can we do that and still come up with the realizations that a traditional, um, zhouchen master, you know, they're really good at this. You know, they're really good ones. Uh, uh, uh they're able to provoke in you these kinds of insights. You know. So far, it's been easy for me and for people who are in the scientific world and who uh, are actually exploring, you know, meditation and all of these others, uh, the illusion of the self and so on. It's easier for me to explain it this way, right? Uh, they know that I've been in this area for a long time. And it's easier for me to explain this way because they have a model by which they can cling to, right? Uh, as I said, it's very hard to, to uh, basically... Pull your head out of the scientific ass, right? So (laughs) (laughs) the whole
0: world's got their head stuck in it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, it's 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 uh, uh, basically the you know what's the reward? The reward is seeing the entire sparkling gem, right? Uh, It's right there, Uh, and it's 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 for you to rest on, right? Because it's always changing, right? The the whole thing is always changing. The light always hits it a different way, and so on, or or. Uh, in in the sky you know it's always changing so that's that's uh how i uh basically um why i'm doing this from a scientific point of view because that's where i came from and then i got trained in Bon and dog and i said well is it possible to point it out in a scientific way you know so uh so people who are not you know so so support people like me who did not uh you know they have mushroom journeys or ayahuasca journeys when we were teenagers or in our 20s, you know, can actually go. And and actually, um, uh, you know, the, the, the tendency, our tendency as scientists is to try to make sense of things, right? And the whole thing is that to be comfortable in things that don't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense and that's all right. That's, that's the, you know, that's one of the things that you learn and uh, you, see, you see change all the time. Um, one of the, uh, you know, if, if you're going to use it as your your uh, mental gym uh, super steroid, right? When you take a high dose, uh, like I did for early in ayahuasca, it's, it's more like there are certain gifts that you take away from. Um, for example, I understood what unconditional love of the universe was all about, right? It's like uh, it gets to you, you wake up and, uh, you know, you used to wake up at four in the morning and writhing in this like orgasmic pleasure, and this is already like you know uh, two, three days afterwards and and this just this reassurance that you know every it's the full security of the universe, right there's nothing that you can do where you're not taken care of. there's nothing that you you, you, you can do, say or whatever, you know uh, that is not covered but by that unconditional love that, that's there. And for me, that's a gift, right? And, um, and uh, I, immediately, of course, my ego says, well, you know, uh, so uh, essentially, uh, you are now uh, conflating this with faith. I said, I'm beginning to suspect that those who preach about faith don't even know what it is, right? So yeah. <laughs> so um and uh there was also someone who said uh that you know in the beginning we had no word for imagination so we used the word faith instead so <laughs> um <laughs> um but but that's that's the um uh you know these are gifts that you get you know from uh, uh for me um uh, and I agree with with uh certain uh scientists that uh like for example um uh uh the uh, uh, hopkins people who are doing um um lots of research in, on psilocybin right uh, uh it, you know the people rank uh secondary journeys as one of the top five um uh, uh most significant experiences in their lives right and 10 years later it still hasn't changed so uh you could see how this uh, really affects you for, for me it's like yeah uh, you, you, you do this with someone you know all the usual caveats you do this with someone who knows what it's doing where it's legal blah 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 but you know uh i I think you did not live a full life uh if you have not experienced even at least for a few hours you know the total dissolution or the the uh disappearance of the self and how does this feel like? And uh, I'm asked all the time. He's, he's, I said, it's really very funny. You asked that. I said, when I see my patients, I, he said, Dr. Ted, I want to be happy. I said, okay, play the happiness game with me. I said, it's a very simple. I said, I am going to set my watch right now. When I say uh, start, I said, stop thinking about anything, not a single thought. I said, stop thinking. Let's see how long you last. <laughs> I said, and, <laughs> and I said, that's the happiness game. I said, so I said, when you're, when you're standing, waiting in line or doing something, I said, play the fucking happiness game. See how long you can stay without any intrusive thought in your head. And you find that it's fucking impossible, right? So uh, 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 so the, the whole point there uh, that I'm making is that, you know, oh, it, it is a wrong thing to assume that this means that you don't have any thoughts and emotions anymore. It means a recognition, right? Uh, For me, the the key word is recognizing that they arise and they arise independent of the conductor, independent of the self-referential system. They just arise there. And when you feel it, uh, really the feeling is just everything is just arising. And uh, one of the ways that you, you can experience this is that when you're walking and you're walking rapidly, right? And you're looking at your it, things in front of you and you're looking at your basically have a slightly downward gaze and you're walking, you feel, you start feeling like you're not actually walking, but it's the scene that's moving across you, right? So that's the, um, uh, that's the way you, uh, you feel this, you, you feel these things. I, I'm just talking about it on a practical matter, right? Um, because everything tends to become uh, very esoteric, the key is to be in the moment, right? You're, when you're in the moment, what is the primary experiencing? Not experience, experience is a noun, right? What is the a primary experiencing, right? Without any concept, right? It's, there's no concept that you're walking, there's no concept. It's, you're just basically feeling everything for the way it is, right? Uh so you know when, when when you're in deep meditation, for example, you feel that um uh, the the dissolution of the um uh, uh, boundaries of your body right uh, there is no there is no skin there is no because you have no concept of what it is. All you feel is that your pressure on when you're seated or if you're lying down, the pressure on your back, you know um, the sounds basically appear where they are. they don't appear at a distance from you. they just appear in just one space where all your thoughts are appearing so so um you know the the difficult part uh, of this is that you know it's an experiential thing right until until you actually experience it you basically won't know what to look for right um so I, I, I uh, uh, and that's the, I think the utility of uh, high dose psychedelics. Uh, Low dose psychedelics uh, probably can maintain some of that stuff uh, like uh, microdosing, right? But I really don't like the trend where uh, there are experts, uh, that there are like uh, microdosing experts who will take you on a hike on the some California Trail, right, and say, okay, now how do we increase the profit of your company? Right. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a totally different, you know, repurposing of of what it is. And uh you know it's a different uh search for a different game right so it's it's like the the level uh if you look at this uh, as just one dimension uh, of the multitude of dimensions out there right this is what you're equipped with this is your tools right and and then uh I actually love it when um Dennis McKenna um uh, with whom I had a chance to work with uh, on a few molecules said um he said, you know I said these are." These are plant teachers, right? These are molecules. This is the way they communicate, right? And for me, it's like, just because they can talk in in symbols like we do doesn't mean that they can't communicate to us and that we're any superior to them right so uh we we just have uh, you know i i look at the evolutionary tree more as a bush right and we're just like in in just one of those bushes there's no ladder going up and we're the epitome of things right and so there there's a there's a way if if they have for example dimethyltryptamine, they have they have cannabinoids they have uh ergots and and so on well you know this is the way that these other species can communicate with us, right? And, and, and so we, and we have receptors for them. So, uh, uh, it behooves us to actually examine, um, and to Dennis's point, right? Uh, what do they have to teach us, right? What do they, what, uh, because they have been longer, um, uh, here than uh, any one of us, uh, the human species as, as it is, is only 250,000 years old, right? So, and these trees and, and uh, fungi have been here for, for millions of years. So, you know, uh, for, for me, that, that openness of mind is also one, one of the things that you get, because uh, one of the things that, you know, um, uh, Kyle, right? It's, it's like mm-hmm. falling in love, right? Falling in love is a very constricting feeling. Right. It's a very constricting feeling. You feel like you're on top of the world, but when your boss assesses your, your, your uh, productivity, it's actually down. Right. <laughs> and, and is, is that a constricting feeling? And science can be that way. Right. Uh, and any religion can be the way any magical, uh, uh, system can be that way. You know, any rational system, uh, that's used by economists can be that way. Right. But each has his own use. Right. And so what this is due to you is actually, um, uh, blast you open, right, and and uh, make make sure that you're able to see the other perspectives or other dimensions of uh, what's around you, right. So, and if that particular perspective works for you, then and makes you uh, better at. Uh, b- Being a species, one of the better species in this planet, and makes you uh, think about things like you know non reciprocal altruism. No, you help without any expectation of being helped back, which is one of the things that we can do that other animals can. Uh, For example, then you know, then that's where we want to be, right? So I'm thinking, Kyle, about what are what are the tools? What can we what can we do in order to determine where we want to bring our species, right? Uh, where, where do we want to bring our species? And you can do that only by decreasing the suffering of each person, you know, one at a time, you know, and give them the tools to, uh, for decreasing suffering. But However the tools may be, they may be magical tools, religious tools, you know, uh, scientific tools, uh, rational tools. And they, and they get into this realization that uh, and for me, as i said it 's <clears throat> the clinging in a version of the self that usually causes you to lose sight you know to to basically um, uh, lose sight of the of that ego that 's doing the conducting you become in other words, you become the identity, your identity becomes that of the ego instead of the meta awareness, and that shift in identity is actually the thing that 's crucial, I think that we 're looking at uh, because. There have been books like Ajashanti and all of these people, right? Uh, uh, Locke Kelly and all of that. And they get into shift into freedom. And that shift is a shift into freedom from illusion of the self, right? Um, The uh, shorthand way is a shift in identity, right? Shift in identity from your egoic identity into that meta-aware identity, which is a non-judgmental thing that just, uh, you know... uh, sees, uh, basically accepts everything for the way it is. And that's what I mean by dogchen, basically consuming all the poison in order to liberate itself. Everything, all the joys, sorrows, you know, laughter, fears, uh, you know, uh, self-deceptions, uh, attachments, etc. All of those, they are you. They arise in real time and you have to accept them for the way they are. Right there is no pushing them away. There is no clinging to them. They just arise there, right? And once you get there, it's a very liberating position. So uh, that, that's that's the, um, that's my journey. Yeah, you know, right? my journey um, from that. And and I think uh, from from this uh, 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 mini lecture that I did, Kyle, I I think I have uh, uh, I have lost all my credibility as a scientist now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no hell no brother hell no well this is the easiest podcast i've ever been a part of <laughs> i don't think I. No, this is just great I, I love i love it when online interviews i can serve a soft fall or two and and let the guest run with it but uh that was that was fantastic um Definitely want to have you back on. I think this is super pertinent information in our times and very pertinent for me. You know, very pertinent for me as I've as I've come to understand and seeing through the lens of what the fuck are we doing right now in medicine? What are we doing with the world? Why are we locking ourselves down from, you know, uh, the boogeyman, which we have a 99.73% chance of surviving. There's a lot of question marks that I've had to sit with, but I think this offering that you've brought to the table, really, I can, you know, track it back to me and what's the cause of my suffering? Well, a lot of that is in the ability to surrender to what is. It, it lies in my ability to, to take all of the things as they are with acceptance and know that I'm just along for the ride. There is a certain part of this that I'm not in control of. And just remembering what I am in control of, this physical entity you know, allows me to have a, a greater degree of grace and allow me to flow with life as I travel through these interesting times that we're in right now.
1: Hey, you just gave your audience all the entire keys to their liberation, Kyle. Uh, you could have just done it in the, that minute rather than for me expounding for you know uh, over an hour here.
0: No, I absolutely, absolutely loved it, brother. Um, where, where, where can people where can people find more of you? Where can people see your work? Where can people dive into your books?
1: Yeah, um, my uh, uh, essentially, I have a. A nonprofit to teach uh, physicians and practitioners, the non-physicians, um, on how to practice health optimization medicine. It's, after all, relieving suffering, right? Um, yeah, which is the detection and correction of, Im- of imbalances that's at the, uh, in the Metabolome, that's at the homehope.org. Uh, we offer... Um, uh, we offer um, courses in there and modules. And for those, for example, who are interested in being able to prescribe cannabis, uh, there is a, a newly uh, uh, uh New course that was just uh, put up there on uh, cannabis uh, because we're we're clinical, right? So uh, it's essentially if a, if a client is in front of you, what the fuck do you do? You know, none. You know, we we leave the didactics. So okay, you're you're a nerd. So here's uh, here are the rabbit holes for the science, right? But but here's your your client or your patient. So what do you do? So that's um uh and and that's the zeitgeist of that whole home hope and the balancing is uh, always on. Uh, uh, on a clinical basis, right? Uh, uh, including like sympathetic, parasympathetic balance and all those kinds of stuff. Um, <clears throat> the other one uh, is prescriptions.com. Uh, that's uh, like prescriptions, but with a T-R-O. Uh, prescriptions.com is actually um, uh, the brand of the company uh, Smarter Not Harder. Um, and that's snhlife.com. And um, we're smarter, not harder. Um, and my okay. joke is we're not a condom company, man. So, um, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, uh, and what is in there is actually a nootropic that I devised for myself. Uh, it's a buccal trokey, meaning you, it's like a lozenge, but you insert it between your, uh, gum and upper cheek. And it contains uh, essentially nicotine, CBD, uh, caffeine and methylene blue. Uh, and I actually made that for myself and people liked it. And I did not expect it to be the runaway hit that it is. Um, and then uh, people begged us to just uh, put in a pure methylene blue. And if you took, take a look at literature, and I'm not advertising this for that purpose, right? Uh, if you just take a look at literature for methylene blue, it's now being used for uh, in studies to boost cognitive performance of people with Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, right? Um, uh, because it's an maoi uh by itself uh and then coming up um will be uh, additional products uh that will contain uh the uh lesser known cannabinoid molecules and uh, the first one's coming out is uh, for anxiety um and then the rest coming out will be for pain uh the pain will have some kratom in it. The, the anxiety will have some kava in it um the um the i'm big on plants and uh, um uh there's one that's coming out also for insomnia. So if you are in Asia, I am in Asia 30 days every quarter except for the past year. Um because they wouldn't let me in the countries over there. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, <laughs> um except for the past year. Uh you can find me at um Bio, Bio, institute dot um, com and um the, I also spearheaded the, uh, construction of the, uh, metabolomics, uh, commercial metabolomics lab in there. Um, because, uh, these things, uh, are, although they're 40 years old, there are very few of them around the world. Um, uh, and this, uh, this, uh, uh metamet- metametrics.com is actually intended to serve the uh, metabolomics needs of the ASEAN region. So I, Um, All I'm going to do here, Kyle, uh, I'd like to really encourage your listeners, uh, you know, by decreasing suffering in yourself, you decrease suffering in others. And, you you know, one of the things that you should do is not think locally, right? Uh, You know, um, uh, for me, it's like always think of the global ramifications of the changes that you make within yourself. Right. There's a saying, think globally, act locally. No, uh, that's that's that for me, it's more like act globally. Right. And uh, think locally. So because uh, uh, now we, we are actually at a stage where we cannot afford uh, any more damage or losses to the only organic spaceship that we're in. So, you know, um, much of our wants, desires, et cetera, are actually tied in to the bigger picture of how we are actually united across the board, connected to everything else.
0: Beautiful, brother. Thank you so much. It's been it's been an amazing, amazing hour and 20 minutes with you. Um, we will 100% run this back in the near future. And I'll link to, of course, everything that you've offered in the show notes. We didn't even dive into... <laughs> any of the biohacks, any of the, I mean, I I wanted to rabbit hole methylene blue with you. I've I've been a fan of it for many years. Um, But of course, you know, people can try that on for size for themselves at Troscriptions. We'll have all that in the show notes. And uh, it's been a real pleasure and an honor to chat with you, brother.
1: And the pleasure is mine and the honor is mine, Kyle.
0: Thank you.